Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where our goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. So last week, we talked about the risk of buying a house in this market, the uncertainty that's out there with rising rates, with you know all the crash talk and what have you. But if you're buying a house in this market, there's definitely some things that you have to pay attention to. And one of those, and probably the most important piece of that, is once you decide to buy, you need to find a lender that is there for you, that can guide you through that process, that has your back, that's giving you accurate information. So what we're going to talk about today, Josh, is the idea of shopping for a lender, shopping for a rate, what that means, what you need to pay attention to in that process. Because again, we talked about it last week, people just start the process with really no plan, if you will. They just say, hey, I want to buy a house. Hey, call my lender. They call their lender or, or somebody refers them a lender and they have a conversation. The, the lender says, this is how much you can afford. And then they go out and they try to buy a house. Well, there's a lot of steps, as you and I know, that were just missed in that process. So let's take some time here and dive into it and help you know our listeners become educated homebuyers. Absolutely. Jeb, a shocking figure to me is when you look, um, the CFPB says that um, more than 75% of borrowers will get a loan from the first lender that they talk to. Um, now, for me, I think, hey, no big deal. You talk to me, you're in good hands. And, and most reputable lenders would feel the same way. But um, we have very low barriers to entry in the lending business. Um, and there still are lenders out there that are either just not good at what they do or um, charge a lot of money for what they do. And without a single point of reference, there's no way for you to know that. And now the interesting thing that I'm seeing, Jeb, last year when rates were at 3%, you were getting a good rate from everyone. If someone gave you a terrible rate, it was three and a half. And historically, it was still fantastic. So there was very little shopping going on the last few years relative to where we're at right now. Because every week, it seems like for the last few months, we would see a quarter percent higher rate than the last week. So um, people have just been looking around a, a little bit more. And it's important um, if we believe that shopping for your lender and, and shopping for a good rate is important, it's important that you do it right and you don't fall prey to uh, a salesy person who who's very good and builds a relationship with you but isn't able to deliver. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit today about what that process should look like when you're when you're talking to a lender. So how do you shop? How do you select a lender? And if you're talking to a couple of lenders, how do you compare rates and make sure you're getting good terms? Um, and you notice I don't say the best terms or the lowest rate because there are, are ways to manipulate interest rates that most consumers don't understand. Like when a lot of times I'll have a client call and say, hey, I found a better rate than what you're offering. Cool. Let's take a look at the loan estimate. Well, I didn't get one. Okay. Well, what are they charging you for that rate? I don't know. Okay, well, I can tell you any rate on any given day, but it uh, it needs to be backed in writing and with the fees that come along with that. So we're going to go through some of that stuff today, Jeb. No, and that's good. And you talk about the questions to to you know to ask when talking to a lender. I mean, what are things that you ask? Like when when you when somebody calls you to have that conversation because this conversation is different. I mean, a lot of listeners don't know, but I was 
in your position um, for over 10 years. I did, you know, loans as well. And, you know, I would say the conversations vary um, depending on how people call you and the questions that they ask. But as a professional in the business, are there certain things that you want to know up front or certain things that you feel like should be asked in that initial conversation? This is probably the most important thing. And the funny thing is, um, you, you know, Jeb, that I, I host a, a live, a Facebook live video every week um, in a big veterans group. And we have both realtors and lenders in that group. So I had three lenders and we were talking about this pre-approval. What does it look like? I said the same thing. Where does that process start? So if you call someone and they start at, just jump right into an interview, Jeb, how much money do you make? Jeb, what's your credit score look like? Jeb, how much money do you have to put down? That is not the right way to go about it. It really should be an open-ended conversation. And the thing is, Mr. or Mrs. Homebuyer, what is it that you're looking to accomplish? I understand you want to buy a home. Have you looked in, in a specific area? Are you looking at a specific property type? Have you seen open houses or homes online? What price range are we looking at? and let the buyer, the borrower, open up and tell you what they're looking to do. Um, that way I'm gonna get so much more information about what's important to you and what we're looking at. And it doesn't sound like an interrogation because generally through that process, they're gonna tell me, yeah, we've been looking online and we're looking in central Orange County. We're comfortable living from here to here. And we're most likely looking at, at townhomes and the HOAs are like 300 to 350 bucks, depending on, on what you're looking at. Cool. And what are you seeing in prices? Oh, the prices are about this much. All right. And with that, how much money do you have available for your down payment and closing costs? So now at this point, you can start to see we have a big picture. We know what they're looking at doing. Now we can start going into specifics uh, and finding out, do you qualify for what you want? The, it, the thing that's amazing to me, Jeb, I talk to people all the time who talk to another lender. Um, best example, about three months ago, I had a guy who said, hey, um, we're looking at buying out in Riverside County and we're qualified up to 550. Okay, cool. Um, what was the interest rate? I don't know. Um, how much money do you have to have to put down in closing costs? I don't know. Um, are you comfortable with that monthly payment? I don't know. They said, you, they gave you a pre-approval letter and you can't answer any of these questions. So we just talked a little bit, Jeb, about that initial conversation, what it should sound like with the lender and that they shouldn't just jump in and interrogate you. They should be giving you an opportunity to tell you what your goals and dreams and hopes are with that. When you walk away from that conversation, you should have an idea of what you're pre-qualified for, not pre-approved because we haven't confirmed any of the documentation, but you have an idea that you seem to be pre-qualified and what is the monthly payment? what is the interest rate and what do you have to have uh, available in in total cash to close because a lot of times that just starts the discussion because we go through it and say okay you need thirty two thousand dollars and the person goes well, i only got 21. okay well now it's a whole new discussion how do we get there um and it just amazes me how few people know what that looks like and for us in california that changes month by month when you're doing a minimum down loan uh, an fha or a three percent or five percent down conventional and you have to have impounds because the amount for your impounds changes every month so it's a very important discussion to be able to get those numbers so you can start dealing with certainty of here's where i'm at here's where i need to be and here's what i can do so so with that said josh it, our 
prospective buyers that you're having these conversations with, are they leaving the conversation with anything in writing, right? You said that this guy called you and he doesn't know what rate he was quoted. He doesn't know what his monthly payment was going to be. Like there's some, some uncertainty with, with what he was done. So does that happen after a prequal or does that happen after a pre-approval? How do you, how do you use that piece to have some certainty um, as a prospective buyer um, and then how do you use that maybe to compare others? Like, what do you look at in, in that process? So way back in episode four, Jeb, we did this um, conversation. What's the difference between a pre-qualification and a pre-approval? And if in, in a big picture, say pre-qualification is worthless, but it's not worthless. It's it's dangerous in that it gives us an idea of where you're at, but I can't give you anything in writing based off of a pre-qualification. So after we've had that conversation and, and you're comfortable with, hey, I can qualify you for X, here's what the monthly payment is gonna be and here's how much money you need to have available, now we can move forward to the pre-approval. So I'm gonna send you a link to my online application. I probably have a good bit of the information from our front end conversation, but I definitely know exactly what documentation we need. Um, so you complete the online application, you upload your supporting documentation, send that in. We set up a file, we run credit, we run an automated approval to confirm all of the things we talked about in that pre-approval. And at that point, we're going to give you your pre-approval letter and we can give you some written options of, uh, you know, here's what FHA looks like, here's what conventional looks like if you qualify for both. If it's FHA, here's what 400, here's what 450, and here's what 500 look like if you qualify for all three of them. And that's a conversation that we're having in that first call. What do you want to see? Do you know that, hey, my max qualification is gonna be 500,000 and I have to be there to get something? Well, then we're not gonna bother with showing you what a four or a 425 or a 450 looks like. Other people qualify for $700,000 and say, I don't think I'm comfortable with it. Please show me 500, 600, and 700, and I'll fill in the gaps between there. But it truly should be a consultative conversation where I'm giving you information, and with that, you're asking more and better questions. Something that I always find after I, you know, before I start asking my questions on the initial call, I say, Mrs. Borrower, what questions do you have of me? And a lot of times they're like, I don't know. This is the first time I've done it. I don't know what I'm supposed to ask. I say, that is not a problem. Let me start. Let's go through this. And the questions that I ask you are going to trigger questions on your part. When I give you information, that's going to trigger questions on your part. But it really should be a dialogue. It shouldn't be a salesmanship where someone is interrogating you to pull out information and then telling you, here's what your one option is. We are working on getting to a goal of a number that you qualify for, that you're comfortable with and can close. No, and, and I, if good, good information. Um, so, so what you're saying is, is there's more to, to the process than just having a conversation to figure out rate, um, is what I'm hearing. Um, but, but where does the rate fit into potentially choosing that lender or, or deciding the direction to go? All lenders should be in a fairly narrow range on their rates and fees. Um, I, I should say all reputable lenders should be in a fairly narrow range on their rates and fees. We can talk about different channels between brokers, banks, mortgage banks, and who's going to be the cheapest or the best. They all should be in a fairly narrow range. My greatest benefit to you is not in having the lowest in rates and fees, even though we have very low rates and fees. You should talk to a couple of lenders, um, see how the dialogue goes, see what your comfort level is, and then confirm 
that they have competitive rates and terms. And if they don't, can they match someone else's competitive rates and terms? Because the most important thing you can do is work with that reputable lender that hears you, that you have a good dialogue with. I have a client now that found us off of, of Google always a different conversation when they weren't referred by an agent, they weren't referred by a past client um, because they have, they have nothing other than that Google to base it off of. And he says, you have 109 five-star reviews. I want to work with the best broker in my area. And of course he had called a couple of others. Um, and I, I just asked him flat out on, on that first call, what is most important to you in working with a lender? Is it at the rock bottom lowest rates and fees? Where, where are you coming from? He goes, I'm an engineer, I look at numbers, so the numbers are going to be important. But the most important thing is, I work with clients around the globe and they can count on me 24 hours a day, seven days a week to get back with them as quick as is reasonably possible. So if I text you and it's a day before you get back to me, we're probably not gonna work together. So for you or someone else, that may not be the hot button. So it's important that, that the loan officer is asking you that question. And it may just be that we're not a good fit. If you're someone that wants a call back within five minutes, every time my phone rings or there's a text, I can tell you that doesn't work. I'm on the phone a lot. We're recording episodes like this, but can, is it reasonable that I get back to you within a couple hours? Absolutely reasonable. So it's just setting expectations and making sure you're a good fit. I will tell you, am I a, a personality fit for every borrower out there in the world? Probably not, but I can get along with most people, especially in a business context, but you may just not mesh with someone who is otherwise a really good loan officer. You're going to be working incredibly closely with them and relying on them for honest, accurate insights into what to do with the biggest debt in your life and the biggest asset you're going to purchase. So it is very important that you have a good dialogue with them and that you trust them uh, and that they're stopping and explaining these things to you, especially as a first time buyer when you've never been through the process before. So your question was, is the rate important? Absolutely, the rate is important. Um, and we're gonna talk about that a, a little bit right now. When you shop the rate portion, what should you be doing? Um, and what does that look like? So you're going to get a loan estimate at some point. And people always ask, hey, I talked to this other person and they didn't give me a loan estimate. Are, are they not doing it right? Okay, well, what did they give you? Well, they gave me this fee worksheet and it details all of the fees that I'm gonna be charged. And it shows me what my monthly payment is and how much money I have to bring in at closing. So no, that's absolutely acceptable. You don't have a property yet. So they're not required to give you a loan estimate. They can give you a loan estimate if that's your preference and it can make it a little bit easier to compare from lender to lender, but the loan estimate is not necessarily the best document. So some type of fee worksheet that outlines everything you need to pay, that shows what your total principal interest, taxes, insurance, and any HOA due payment would look like and how much money you have to have at closing. Those are the most important things. And then you wanna be able to compare them. So. If it is a loan estimate and you're looking at someone else's loan estimate and my loan estimate, we always wanna talk about box A of the loan estimate. So if you take anything away from this conversation, it's to make sure to know what's in box A. And if someone gives you a fee worksheet, ask them, which of these fees will show up in box A once I do get a loan estimate? I don't think you have to ask them to send you a loan estimate. You have to ask them which of these will end up in box A. Box A are the charges that are going to go directly to your lender or broker in a transaction. And on a purchase, we don't control any of the other fees. So if you go with me, a guy down the street, or a girl on the other side of the street, the only thing we control is box A. And I don't care what they call those things in box A. What are some of the things you can see there? An origination fee, loan discount points, an admin fee, doc fee, underwriting fee, processing fee. To me, the total in box A 
is just the points that you are paying for any given interest rate. Eight times out of 10 for us, box A is empty. There's nothing in box A. So if you look at our interest rate and zero in box A, someone else may tell you, well, my rate's an eighth better than theirs, but they've got $5,000 of fees or $10,000 of fees in box A. That's not an apples to apples comparison. So you wanna know what am I paying in box A and what is my interest rate? And again, among reputable lenders, those should be fairly similar. And it doesn't have to be a loan estimate. They can give you a fee worksheet, but they need to be able to tell you what are the items that will show in my box A. No, so that's good. So now we know what to do once we have that information, Josh. But I think the, the, the title of the episode is shopping for a lender. So how how do we shop? Like we've had a conversation with you, but now where do I find the next person to talk to? Or or how does that conversation go? What What do I need to do? Do I need to do the same thing that I did with you? Or if I had a conversation with John at Bank of America, and, and I gave him all these documents. Do I have to provide the same information to you as a broker to be able to give me a, a, a comparable quote? I, I think that's important for people to know. You don't necessarily have to do the complete pre-approval process with every lender that you're talking to. You should do it with at least one and one that you trust and feel like is hearing you and knows what they're talking about. And that sounds crazy, right? But you, I talk to people all the time. They're like, I talked to this person and they were, had no idea what I was talking about. I had no, no faith that they were going to be able to get me what I needed. So at least one of them has to pre-approve you and say, you are qualified for a conventional loan with 5% down and your credit score is 692. And this is what the rate looks like today in the box A fees. With that, you can call two lenders, five lenders, as many lenders as you want and say, this is what I'm looking at. What are your rates and fees, box A fees for the rate today? And it's important that you do it all, not only within the same day, preferably within a couple of hours that you get those numbers. And if someone tells you, hey, let me pull it together and I'm gonna, I'll send it over to you tonight or tomorrow. Um, everyone's busy. So I'm not saying that's unreasonable that they will do it, but you probably should tell them, hey, I'm trying to make a decision on a lender today. Would it be possible for you to get that back to me this afternoon so I can make sure everyone is comparing within the same window? And the reason being is that rates change and they change a lot. I, I sent some numbers to a client who was writing an offer yesterday. And just for example, today, rates were a quarter percent lower this morning. Um, and that's largely because how, how bad they had gotten the last few weeks. And we were having the opposite conversation. You'd have to call and tell them the next day, hey, rates are up an eighth, rates are up a quarter. So it is important that you get everyone within that same window. And if you have the same level of confidence and comfort with another lender who has a significantly better interest rate, then you're going to start that pre-approval process and provide them all the documentation and do the loan application with them. No, that's good. So, I mean, what you didn't mention is so, I mean, should I be talking to multiple brokers? Should I be talking to a bank, a credit union, calling the guy online? I mean, I, I will step in here because, you know, being a real estate agent, um, one of the things I do with clients that come to me is, you know, if they're not pre-approved, even if they are, I want to confirm that the pre-approval is accurate. So they call me, they're pre-approved. I, you know, we talk about their pre-approval, who their, their mortgage, you know, professional, the, their loan officer is. And oftentimes I might know that person and know, Hey, that person's a reputable lender. I trust whatever they say. I don't need to, to dig into the details where some people call me and we start talking and I can tell that they probably didn't even go through a full pre-approval process. They just got pre-qualified and there's some uncertainty whether or not they qualify. Well, I want to meet, either have a conversation with that lender or ask them, hey, listen, do you want me to make a referral or or maybe they came to me and didn't have a lender 
you know, can I refer you to my lender, which in this case is, is Josh, right? And so in dealing with Josh, um, personally and professionally for over 10 years, I have confidence knowing that what Josh tells me is accurate. And so that's why I'm making that referral as a real estate agent. It's not because Josh gives me something or I get some sort of kickback. I make no money. That's a RESPA violation. We could both lose our licenses for doing that sort <laughs> Literally of Literally a violation not, of federal law. Yeah, we're not going to risk uh, you know, our livelihood, our businesses over a, a couple thousand bucks. But what it does give me is certainty that, hey, if Josh tells me that it can get done, then I know it can get done. Or if Josh tells me, hey, listen, this is questionable. Like we need to do a little bit more homework. We need to dig a little bit deeper. We need to have a conversation with the underwriter. That's good by me because that's open communication. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear full transparency, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, because then I know once I get the final answer, okay, Josh did his homework. He dug into the details. He found out what he needed to find out. And now, hey, guess what? You know, buyer, we're good to go. And so that's why we're making that referral and in having that conversation. So to kind of backtrack a little bit, I asked the question a moment ago, who should you talk to? I think it's always good to get a referral from somebody, you know, like trust that had a really good experience. You know, in this case, it would be me, you know, you're reaching out to me, I'm going to refer you to Josh. Um, but it all might also might be, hey, listen, you're a member of, of a bank, like you bank it or not a member, you bank it, say Bank of America, have a conversation with Bank of America, go in there, talk to their mortgage professional, it's going to be a different conversation, I can tell you. Um, and I'm a bit biased, because I've been on the mortgage broker side. It's a different conversation. Uh, because they're not going to get as detailed in many cases. And, and they're not going to be available on the weekends. And the communication is going to be a little bit different. But it's always good to compare. That way you have something that says, okay, this bank gave me this quote. And this was kind of the experience, what I felt when having that conversation. Josh gave me this quote. This was my experience with Josh. And this is how I felt and whatever. And then maybe you have a third conversation. Maybe it's with another mortgage prof uh, professional, a broker. Maybe it's with another bank. Maybe it's with a credit union, whatever. That way you feel confident in, in your decision going forward that, hey, listen, I did my homework. Um, and that way, what I find oftentimes is somebody calls me and says, hey, Jeb, uh, I found a house I want to write an offer on. Um, you know, I just got pre-approved and we write the offer and then they want to start shopping for rates after their offer has been accepted. Can you do that? You can, but you're cutting into the timeline in which you, you have to close on that property. So it's best to kind of find out who you're going to work with up front. And that way you have a point of contact when you're out shopping um, for a home at different price points. Hey, Josh, can you update me at this price point? Can you tell me what the rates are today? What's going on with this? And you have somebody that you can rely on. And then when you get your offer accepted, you have somebody that says, hey, I'm ready to move forward. You already know that person has your documentation. The process starts and it's a little bit easier. So I'm sure I missed some stuff in there, Josh, but you know, let's... it's it's a big topic and there's no right or wrong answer of how to do this. What we wanted to do is give you an overview of um, when you first talk to a lender, what should that conversation look like? What is the decision-making process? How do you make sure you're getting a competitive interest rate? Um, and just sort of closing that loop, Jeb. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't recommend using Google, um, although I just told you about a, a client who went on Google and saw the, the five-star review. And I don't recommend you use Google unless you find me. Unless you find me, that's the best way. But um, talk, however you find your way to me, if I'm a person you're talking to, 
ask a couple of other people, ask your realtor, ask a few people of, of who a reputable source is. Jeb had mentioned um, your bank, a credit union you're a, a member of. Any of the big online lenders, I invite you to call them. Their numbers are not gonna be competitive and you're gonna be talking to a kid in a call center. So it can be a very, very different experience than another local lender. Um, but again, we're very competitive on rates and fees. I'm not gonna tell you I'm always gonna be the lowest, but I can tell you the ratio of, of experience and knowledge and service is gonna be much higher than what you get anywhere else at a comparable rate level. But that's what you're trying to discover through this process. You want to find someone that you feel like hears you, understands you, and is a, a knowledgeable expert and is gonna deliver you a high level of service with a competitive rate. So well, all of those things are important when you're shopping for a lender and shopping for a loan. Yeah, and Josh, one thing I didn't mention when I said shop around, notice I didn't say go search the online lender, like go yeah. type into Google, you know, uh, getting a, a home loan. Why? Because you're gonna get a big, like a list of a, a bunch of big box lenders that are literally there with call centers that have people with inexperience in them. And they might be quoting you a, a lower rate Oftentimes they have no idea what they're talking about, but the communication, the the process is usually uh, not one that you want to uh, do again. So this is a big investment, you know, a big purchase in your life. Just making sure you're going through it with somebody that's inexperienced. You obviously want the best deal, but the best deal can mean a lot of things. So just figure out what's important to you. Uh, but with that said, Josh, like la I think one of the last things we can talk about here is is how does someone find experience on somebody? Because I think. It's important, like you mentioned, a low barrier to entry to get into this business. And, and that person, the day they get their license, they can they can sell you a loan or they can help you buy a house in my case. So how do you vet that person? You can go to uh, the NMLS website and look up anyone. You get their NMLS ID, you plug NMLS. it in. NMLS. The Nationwide Mortgage Licensing System. And it's NMLS Consumer Access um, I don't know if it's .com or .org or .gov, but it's NMLS Consumer Access. If you Google that, you can plug in my or anyone else's NMLS ID, and it's going to show you their 10-year work history. And if they're new in the business, uh, a player who shall not be named, I can guarantee you that if you look up a loan officer that you've talked to with one of these big box lenders, that within the last two years, they will have worked either at GNC uh, or vitamin shop interchangeably. Nothing uh, wrong with either of those. Just 20, it's, 24 it's hour fitness and or pizza delivery within the last three years. Um, that's so uh, again, nothing wrong with that. This is the biggest investment of your life. Maybe that person puts in eight or 10 years of learning the business before helping you with that. So that's a piece. So you can see where they've worked and what they've done. You wanna see their online reviews. I can tell you that anyone I know that has done this for any period of time understands the value and the importance of third-party reviews that you can see online. Now, whether that's at a site like Zillow that aggregates reviews, whether it's Google, whether it's Yelp, whether it's Facebook, all of those options. If someone doesn't have a volume of clients saying how great it was working with them, I would question heavily whether I should work with them. And if you're asking, hey, does being the number one rated JD Power lender in America for 14 years running qualify? It does not because local lenders, local banks, local credit unions don't subscribe to JD Power. So what when you see something like that, it's basically saying among McDonald's, Burger King and Wendy's, who has the best burgers? It's it's the equivalent to that because local lenders just don't subscribe to that type of stuff. Um, ask uh, other people, ask them if you can call a client uh, and if they can give you a couple of references to call clients if you're if you're that serious about it. But I think most of us have pretty good people radar and you spend 15, 20 minutes on the 
the phone with someone, you're going to know, do they have a heart to serve? Do they know what the hell they're talking about? And do they want to help you? Um, and if you don't get that feeling, this isn't just about numbers. Like it's funny, it is transactional. We do enough in a year that I can't go back and tell you that the guy that I closed a loan for in June of 2020, that we're best friends and we go golf on the weekend. But if we pick up the phone, I know who they are and we're going to have a conversation about what's changed in their life and how their family's progressing and what we can do to help them from the financing side. If you're calling someone in a big call center or even a bank, you're unlikely to, to get that. No, good stuff. So with that said, if you need a lender, want to talk to Josh, there's a link in the description below that'll set you up to have that conversation with Josh or anywhere else. I mean, if you're in the United States outside of California, want a lender, happy to make that referral. It will also allow you to connect with a real estate agent if you need one. So use that. But for now, we hope you found some value in that. Um, we, we'd love to know your thoughts on this. You know, Are you finding any value in the show? If you are, rate us, review us on whatever podcast platform you listen to. And let us know what you want to hear. Until next time, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you listening. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.